and welcome to Ipsa Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm your host, Brian L. Fry, Spears Gilbert Associate Professor of Law at the University of Kentucky College of Law. My guest is Dr. Claudia Optenkamp, Senior Lecturer at Barnmouth University. We will discuss the book, A History of Intellectual Property in 50 Objects, which she edited with Dan Hunter and which will be published by Cambridge University Press. So welcome to the podcast, Claudia. Hi, Brian. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to have you on. As you know, Thank I'm a, you. I'm a huge fan of of this project. Uh, I've read a few of the essays that some people have circulated online already, and I just can't wait to read the rest of the essays in the book. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, and I can't wait to hear what you think about it too, because you've been such a enthusiastic supporter since the beginning. So um, I would love to hear what you think about um, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so I also have a ton of questions, mm -hmm. right? Because because I love this project so much, I really wanted to learn more from you about the context in which it was created. So sort of how did the project get started? What sort of context were you thinking about when you initially started working on it? Mm -hmm. And sort of how, how did it actually come together with you and, and Dan editing it? Wow. Okay, so um, there's a few there's a few angles to to that in, in answering that. Um, so I guess in general, um, um, as as academics, we we face questions such as um, you know what is what is the best way to reach my my audience, or how do you make research tangible to um, say a relatively lay audience? How do you package it up so that it speaks to people. Um, you know, there's so much uh, academic research that is so jargon heavy, I guess, that it, it only circulates in sort of these these um, niches um, and it speaks to, to, to the converted. So um, the world out there, so to speak, is very very good at, at packaging um, their messages, right, to, to, to wider audience. So in 2010, um, which is, of course, what this is based on, there was a, the podcast, um, A History of the World in 100 Objects. And that was um, done as a 100-part series, if I'm not mistaken, for uh, BBC Radio by Neil McGregor, who was uh, the then uh, director of the British Museum. And it explored world history from, I think, as far as two million years ago to, to the present in a hundred objects of, um, of the British Museum. And then about a year later or so, a book with the same title followed, and then that just turned out to be um, this, this killer formula. Um, the world caught on very quickly, and oh, lots of interesting spin-offs followed, so, you know, history of cricket in a hundred objects and, you know, um, all sorts of other, um, uh, other things. And then, um, Dan, um, together with, uh, his friend, Greg Listelka, who, um, unfortunately, um, passed away in, in the meantime, they mm -hmm. were sort of toying with this idea, um, could you do this with intellectual property? And uh, there was a, a few messages back and forth uh, in which they sort of quickly put a list together of like, what, what would you put, put in there? Um, and then um, I guess it, it, it stalled for a little bit, um, not only because um, uh, 
Greg uh, became very ill. Uh, but Dan also started um, Swinburne Law School. <laughs> so that was, um, you know, not a not a small feat. And then when I applied for um, a postdoc in, I want to say, 2015, Am I getting this right? Yeah, I think so. So four years ago, um, Dan told me in, in in the first conversation I had with him prior to applying that whoever he was going to hire for this uh, for this job was going to work on this book with him. And that to me sort of sounded like, well, you know, magical music um, because it just seemed to bring together all sorts of things that I really like doing. Um, so I really like editing uh but i also have a visual background and um you know uh, the the designing and the rights clearance of, of the images ca- came much later but i sort of have a, a background in in several of these things and and i saw the prospect of of this um of this project and um long story short um i i got the job and then we sort of started working on it right and then mm. piece by piece uh, it's actually really nice to think about it now as as this amazing journey that you know from very small every step along the way like you know more and more questions uh came up and uh, yeah here we are four years later <laughs> about so- to come out yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it sounds like the project started with with the objects. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about sort of like examples of what kind of objects were chosen and why mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and whether there were changes in the objects you wanted to profile in the course of the right, development right. of the book. Yeah. Um Again, I mean, you please stop me when you want me to stop talking because I, I can talk about this for days. Um, Be my guest. Yes. So, in 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 the larger sense, I want to say it's it's been for a very long time uh, one big puzzle, right? You try to not only um, um, have interesting objects that reflect all the regimes in in a sort of representative way, but also at the same time. Um, you're looking for people to match with those objects and and vice versa. Um, So at some point, and that's because of Dan's background um, and and his research into sort of objects um, more generally. So, um, you know, his interest in in, uh, furniture design, but also uh, luxury items and his research into Barbie and Lego, that really sort of lend itself to that idea. And an early iteration of this book had as a theme... Um, when I, I mean I wasn't I wasn't part of that so IP and the home so that mm. was really uh, uh, an idea that they started sort of flashing out and then from that um, it sort of developed into much more general uh, fifty objects and we started thinking about that um, I think we moved away from say a hundred right away because that seemed an awful lot especially mm. in light of how long every chapter needed to be so we sort of settled on 50 and it turned out to be um, uh, a good amount but then you start thinking about um, 
you know, what has to be in here, um, what could be in here, you know, what is what is too special or, or too niche for for a, a part one. But let's let's say that this is this mm-hmm. is um, a one of uh, one of books. So, um, you know, there were things like see the we have a master list that is that is um you know incredibly long and you know every, everybody that you spoke to you you would have this conversation and people had had great ideas right so you start sort of um collecting all these objects but for instance you know um you start talk, talking about themes like um okay we, we need to do something on music what would be what would be a good object that would represent that um we we obviously need to do something on on medium um what are what are the very early objects before there even was an intellectual property system um you know which two are going to book and the book and and what do they have um you know uh, in common for instance are we going to do the alexander graham bell telephone and the iphone you know so so constantly these conversations and questions and um and then just finessing it along the way i want to say um yeah Stop yeah. Well, it always has struck me that there is this delightful irony in the project mm-hmm. insofar as, you know, sort of the only sort of coherent definition that I've ever been able to settle on for intellectual property is some sort of, you know, intangible knowledge goods. And so there's this wonderful kind of humor in studying the intangible through the lens of the tangible and looking for something tangible as it's sort of like intangible in the sort of tangible residue of it, as it were. No, that's uh, that, that's exactly it. I mean, in the introduction, we describe a couple of reasons why why we focus on objects, because, of course, we could have written a book, um, you know, on the laws that, uh, you know, were, were enacted. So why why that focus on objects? And of course, um you know, one one of the major reasons is is because they are tangible, which makes them interesting in in the context of IP. Um, as um, and this came up in in um, in the workshop that we did in Rome over the summer. So IP law aspires for this separation between what we've uh, ended up calling the thing and the idea of the thing. Right? Ideas cannot be protected; it's their tangible expressions that can be, but. Um, IP law um, also serves to remind us that it's never possible to entirely separate that thing from the idea of the thing. So, um, and I think the Barbie doll is is a really great chapter that shows um, that the doll is a is a tangible expression, right, it's, uh, of 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 a of a toy that was originally protected by by a patent, but it's also an, a company's attempt through its litigation strategy to, to protect that doll's chaste image. So I, I think the tension between those things is, is really sort of palpable in, um, in that chapters and, and, and many, many like it. Mm. Were there other objects that you thought were particularly essential to the book project? And if so, why those objects? 
Yeah, good question. Um, we organized a roundtable in Melbourne and had um, local sort of specialists uh, and people invested in the project sit around the table. And at that time, we had produced a dummy, um, uh, which I think was about half of the book or so, 25 objects. But before we opened them on the table, we sort of went around the table and, and said, you know, with a title like this, what would you expect to be absolutely in this book? Um, and perhaps the the answers weren't that surprising. So it was, um, if I remember correctly, the light bulb, you know, that, that mm. ha- had to be in here. I think people at the time did say the iPhone, and, and that has been um, on, on um, our master list for a long time, but then... We, we decided not to use the iPhone, but um, go for the uh, Alexander Graham Bell telephone. Um, what else was on that original list? Um, I, think, I think there must have been things that actually um, then didn't make it into the final book. Because like I said, it wasn't just objects, right? It was also, uh, it was also people, it was authors, it was their specialisms. Um, and so it sort of became this organic um, process of, of then matching them. Um, mm. And then, mm. you know, there was a lot of like, if this, then that, and what if, you know, so it was, it, it was constantly that puzzle. Like, do we have enough trademark? Do we have enough copyright? Do we have enough patent? And, and, and so on. Mm. Are there any particular objects that you're like, especially proud of them being maybe a little unexpected, but bringing some richness to the project that people might be surprised or interested by? Yeah, no, very, very good question. Um, My personal surprise entry is actually um, the football of all of all things like um i didn't well in general i don't know a lot about football but also as a as an entry i i uh i had no idea and then when it when it came in and it makes that link between 1970 uh mexico uh television wide balls not showing up but that hexagonal black and white one um you know designed to show up on television screens all of a sudden it had such a link to what i think i do um that it was just i don't know sort of mind-blowing as like wow something as ubiquitous as the football even you know maybe especially that uh this link to um ip um I have to say, not because I'm speaking to you, but the Zapruder uh, film is one of my favorite entries. It has always spoken to my imagination, um, that film. But I think being a little bit more distant from actually, um, you know, putting the book together now, it, it actually makes me think that that entry specifically is is so so special in that you know history happens to everyday people that's sort of Mm. what comes out of it and perhaps even ip history happens to everyday people right i Mm. mean 
Abraham's Zapruder um, happens to have also a really special name on that day, decides, you know, to go outside and then returns. The weather is not good enough and the weather breaks. His secretary says, why don't you stand on this cement column? And then, you know, films Mm -hmm. this. I mean, it's just... It's just such an incredibly rich story, and uh, and I think also very topical for the times that we live in. This private property of of of, of this object that is obviously in the interest of a of a larger audience. I think that story is is um, just wonderful. Mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. couple that were surprising to me because. Um, perhaps we had designed them in one way and then they came back in another. So for instance, uh, both the Kodak camera and the corset, they came back as these incredibly genderized ideas of the law, which I had personally never, never thought about. Mm. So that was, that was really eye opening. And those are, you know, also beautifully written. Um, I think that, escalator to me is a is a wonderful uh entry you know it was a chapter that was designed as a as an entry on i guess trademark genericide and we had just chosen a, a picture of the escalator to open to open uh, the chapter but it it um sort of was designed um to include many more brands and it was just mocked up that way um but then it came back as not only a story about trademark genericide, but also a story that describes the history of the actual escalator and what an incredibly revolutionary invention it was and how deeply it has mm. impacted our lives and our experiences and, you know, our idea of shopping. And it's just, it's just such a, uh, an amazing story. Um, yeah. And, and so many, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's been such a joy sort of you know to see stories come back and 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 really have people um sort of also i guess you know because as you know we we've asked people to do uh three things in a story is 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 uh, speak about the object and speak about the the wider circle of of the ip story surrounding it and then an even wider circle um around that about the social repercussions of um of of that whole um idea but then um that whole thing needed to be under 2000 words and footnote <laughs> list as possible, which, which, you know, as you know, is probably very difficult for lawyers. And, um, I've spoken to many contributors who found that, uh, a, a very difficult challenge, but also, um, a rewarding one, um, because it sort of forces you to, um, well, not only, you know, get to the point, but also tell a story quite differently as opposed to when you have um, an unlimited amount of words to your um, disposal. So that combination of how stories came back um, mm. and sometimes they need a little bit more shaping than um, in, in other cases, especially because it's so difficult to, to tell the story uh, in around 2000 words without any footnotes. So um, <laughs> that's been uh, yeah really amazing so i wonder about the process of selecting contributors Mm -hmm. as well and like did you seek out particular contributors because you thought that they would have something special to add about a particular object were there any objects that you included in 
apart or in whole because you had a contributor that you thought would be really perfect to to write about them yeah. and sort of what kind of surprises if any did you see mm. from people's approach not just factually to the objects mm -hmm. but also in terms of sort of different people's styles because yeah. it's such a wide range of different people mm -hmm, who you've got mm -hmm. uh working on the project yeah um so yes to all of that <laughs> um <laughs> Well, in, in some cases, um, we we had an object and then we'd be looking for people. Uh, in, in other cases, we'd have uh, a person um, and then either we, we proposed uh, an object or they proposed an object if we just had sort of like, you know, we have to have that person and then see what they would propose. And sometimes we would develop it with them uh, and and perhaps they were like uh you know choosing between two and then we would sort of say like oh that would fit better because um people some contributors suggested each other so that was really interesting uh, we have two people who are married to each other we have two contributors that turn out to be cousins <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun, but we also tried, you know, there, there was this, uh, the idea of, um, diversity, not only in gender, but also geographical spreading and also, um, I guess, career maturity, so to speak. So we also wanted to include, mm. um, all the way, you know, from PhD students to late career, um, IP professors, um, so, so that sort of had to be in, in somewhat of a balance. But then um, for some objects, we had very specific ideas. So, um, for instance, for the Coca-Cola bottle, we just assumed that that had to be someone American, which uh, it turns out um, is now the case and is actually, uh, you know, a, a, a beautiful, beautiful chapter. Um, questions of gender. So, for instance, if you let... Uh, an entry on the Viagra pill be written by a man versus a woman, would you get a different story? Um, mm. You know, things like that. So um, some some of those issues we, we've actually actively pursued, whereas others, I think we were, um, I guess, pleasantly surprised. In terms of um, surprises, I think you said, with, with entries, I, I, mm. I kind of want to say... It's it's perhaps the interdisciplinarity of it. Um, mm. So where the authors are interdisciplinary themselves and approach IP from a different angle, I want to say that those stories tended to come in um, much more fully formed, perhaps, because you know the social repercussions of, of the story of an object would already be part of the story of how they came to the object if that makes sense as opposed mm. to um so for instance uh, uh you know the 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 beta max uh, uh wonderfully written by by julian thomas um you know knows everything there is to know about ip but is a is a historian and media scholar so 
the way he approached that story was very much about you know yes there is this uh there is this landmark decision but what does that mean what does that mean for mm. this idea of time shifting what does this mean for that you know today we have netflix and um so i i think um those stories tended to be um yeah incredibly rich uh, already in a, in a, in a first draft because people just God, what the idea of, of, of the book was. And that was very, yeah. uh, very satisfying to see. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it, 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 it's always struck me that, you know, in some ways, like our concepts of different intellectual property regimes are extremely globalized. Mm -hmm. You know, people do business globally and these objects circulate, most of them all around the world mm -hmm. and are familiar to people in all different places. And yet, in a lot of ways, there at least seem to be residual, much more localized sort of normative concepts of intellectual property and individual rights and mm -hmm. knowledge goods and and what they mean and sort of how we ought to think about them. Mm -hmm. Did you find did you find that that those kind of normative, kind of value laden mm -hmm. aspects of intellectual property inflected the kinds of writing and perspectives that contributors had because you know people who contributed to the book come from all, all around the mm -hmm. world yeah i, I, I want to say absolutely um not only um you know where they're from but also you know their their disciplinary uh uh, uh backgrounds but also, I guess, um, well, some of those issues I think we might have also planted, you know, uh, the, the, the idea that the book has somewhat of an Australian origin predicts certain entries, you know, and also a particular kind of looking at, at those issues. So mm. um, there are things like, I, I kind of want to say if the book had not had that origin, then, then something like the Mike Tyson tattoo that speaks about cultural appropriation, um, you know, in, in uh, particularly Maori uh, culture, mm -hmm. then, then that might have not uh, ended up in, in the book. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the chapter is written from a particular kind of um, uh, angle. And I think it's almost impossible to write to, to say that that authors would be able to write in a sort of you know vacuum where that wouldn't play a role I, I don't think that's philosophically possible um so yes it's it's inflected <laughs> in, uh, in, in in all entries i want to say yeah so given its australian origin i have to ask because i i I will confess I've forgotten. Is, is there a Vegemite chapter? <laughs> no, there's not. That would have been a really good one. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. No, we have um, yeah, yeah. we have the the polymer banknote, which finds its origin in Australia. Um, we have the Qantas skybed. Um, what else did we have? Yeah, so um, Mike Tyson tattoo. Although you know it's a it's it's a U.S. case, but um something else i keep forgetting but yeah it'll come back to me <laughs> no but yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Are there are there any particular objects that you personally really wanted to see in the book, but that for one reason or another just didn't make the cut or couldn't quite fit into the project? No, I think everything that we really wanted is 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 in. You know, sometimes, uh, of course, we had you know conversations about uh, what about this and what about that. But sometimes you feel sort of sorry that something hasn't made the cut. But I I feel personally very very strongly about all of them that are in. I actually have to say that you know, and this might be of interest to the listeners, when you you, you were such an enthusiastic uh, supporter of the whole idea that you actually um, designed it as a contest for your students. And then, um, you know, we, we judged the, the essays and then whoever won um, joined us in, um, in in Rome for the Ishtab conference. But I have to say that there, there were uh, a couple of objects where I was like, whoa, this, these are so good, you know. Um mm. So I thought the Tiffany, the Tiffany box was was great, but also you know the Stradivarius that ended up winning, and um, mm. I think um, you know the 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 Jordan Nike shoe that that was really great. So it, mm-hmm. if anything, there's just you know more room for for thought that that opens up, and even now you know on a maybe not on a daily basis anymore, but you you kind of go around and and hear about things or you read about something you go like oh that would that would make a really great entry but um there's this thing where you know for a while and also uh, some of the introduction to some of those other books that i mentioned you know we we looked at so many so um you know the history of new york and 101 objects so most of these books will say something in the introduction of uh, along the lines of have we set ourselves up for mission impossible in in, in doing this and mm-hmm. um i'm i'm totally okay with it now like i i don't think anymore that and that's also of course why we why we chose the title a history of of ip and not the history some some of these books are called you know the history of australia uh in mm-hmm. in 100 objects for instance so this idea that there's a multitude of of histories to tell like if you would have made this book perhaps um you know some of the objects would have overlapped but very likely you would have chosen right 50 different ones and that's and that's okay so for a while i was sort of stressing out about it like oh you know is this okay and you know are we setting ourselves up for a failure because people are going to say what about this and what about that but maybe that's that's exactly what it needs to do it needs to spark that conversation about what else could be part of it and um you know maybe it says something about us as editors uh, about the particular history that we're telling through these 50 objects and and i think it's a it's a jumping off point to a much larger conversation that i think is very interesting um to, to have Mm-hmm. Well, so the book is going to be available for for purchase really soon. Um, and like I said, I'm just dying to read the rest of the essays in mm-hmm. it because everything everything just looks fantastic. Um, assuming that it's the kind of runaway success mm-hmm. that I, I expect mm-hmm. it to be, um, do you think there's room for like a follow-up project or alternative projects that might kind of look at the same body of 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 ideas and cultural values yeah. in a similar but different or expanded way perhaps 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I don't necessarily think it would be, you know, another history of IP in, in you know, another 50 objects. But I think it <laughs> might be, uh, because I, I also think that as a concept, it, it, it lends itself to, to do this, but I don't know if it would be particularly interesting to to make a part two or a part three. Um, mm-hmm. It's, um, uh, But I do think there's an opening up as in terms of maybe spin-off ideas. Um, so different different pockets of those histories in in other objects or in other, you know, fill in the blanks. I think it's a, it's a particular way of packaging a message um, that really lends itself to um i guess speaking to a larger audience and that's that's really i mean that's that's new for me but it's also new in um for for whoever i i speak to um because in Mm -hmm. in bournemouth locally we we do these um you know public events for um what's it called like um students of the third age you know so um elderly people who come to public uh public um presentations and they particularly sort of connected to it where where it's like oh that's really that's really interesting because it's so tangible um Mm. that people have no idea about intellectual property it's something you know uh, uh fairly complicated but to make that tangible in everyday objects that has proven to be a particularly i don't know interesting way of of, of speaking to people and then yeah perhaps uh in particular the the the, the lay audience uh, so I, I think as a package it's interesting i don't know mm-hmm. if um you need to necessarily repeat it um <laughs> but hey i i also want to say let let's see how this one does and then um you know we'll cross the bridge when we'll get to it um mm-hmm. to see um, if I can recommit to something like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very cool. Well, uh, Claudia, it's been really a pleasure talking oh, to you. So and you. C- yeah, congratulations on this Thank fantastic you. project. Um, and, you know, please convey my admiration to Dan as well. And I can't Whoa. wait to hold a copy of the book oh, in my man, hands. Me too. I've, I've seen um, some test pages a couple of weeks ago so that was very exciting to actually feel the actual paper and see the actual size um but now the next moment we're actually going to hold an entire book in all its 450 pages so i'm very uh very excited about that cool well i hope to talk to you soon thank you so much for uh, for this opportunity this is this is really fun and, and really great to finally speak to you Johnny? Yes, dear? What are your plans? Oh, it's such a beautiful fall day. Well, I thought I might clean the car, honey. Oh, but it's more important to plant the bulbs. Plant the bulbs? What bulbs? The Dutch bulbs. You know, tulips and daffodils and hyacinths. But I thought they were spring flowers. Of course they are, silly. But you've got to plant them now. 
or we won't have any flowers in the spring. Gee, is there a lot of work to it? Oh, nothing at all, darling. Just dig a hole six inches deep with a trowel, mm -hmm. drop the bulb in, and cover. Well, if that's all there's to it, I'll plant a hundred or more Dutch bulbs and still have time to clean the car. <laughs> 